I've got I've got lots of I've got questions. Cool. Okay. Uh, did, as long as you, I mean, as long as you guys didn't watch the Oscar nominations this morning, I've got I've got questions. I didn't even know they were happening. Nope. Yeah, I didn't know they were happening until I had the TV on. Okay, good. So I've got I've got fun facts. Okay. Oh boy. All right. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a lot more on Encanto than on Tick Tick Boom. Just uh, I I kind of balance them evenly. Let's hit Tick Tick Boom I, first. Then what do you say? I guess it's blow through. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. That is not a oh, Disney Plus. Oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Wait, what do you... What was that on? That's on Netflix. It's on Netflix? Oh, no. I thought it was on, like, yeah. HBO or one of the other ones. No, it's oh. on Netflix. I right there watched. on Netflix. Hmm. <sighs> okay. Uh, ready for the count? Oh, do we do we have an opening thing? Yeah, I, I got. I've got the opening covered, Patrick. I think I. I think I outdid oh, myself you? this week. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Alrighty, and in three, two, two, one. And welcome to another episode of Even More Mashed Up, the <laughs> pop culture podcast featuring two professors talking about, well, all things pop culture. I'm Patrick. And I am Alan. And this podcast episode, Patrick, is so arresting that federal law requires us to read you all your Miranda rights. Oh, my God. How good is that? That was awful. Your Miranda <laughs> rights. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> okay, oh, come on. And here, I thought, and here I thought what I came up with would be awful. What, what did you have? Oh, I had one that was going to say, you know, we're doing something that we're not supposed to do today because we're going to talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're equal. I, I, well, yeah. I, I would say, if, I, you, you know, would, if you had sung it, if you had sung it, then I would have been more impressed. Oh, I was going to sing it. I just was, oh, you know. Okay. We're going to the... talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. No, no. Here's the thing. That's <laughs> no, the no, obvious no. way to go. Nobody saw Miranda rights coming until they were already past you. Until it ran us over and flattened us. Yes, you are correct. That's the best kind of opening. Mm. <laughs> Literally <laughs> left you speechless. Manslaughter. Yeah. Uh, well, that, it left me speechless because of the vomit. Oh, well. <laughs> mm. I do apologize then. Yeah, that was, I kind of liked it. That was rough. You, you hear Miranda rights. <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, we, we clearly understand that you were very amused by your joke. That is 100% clear. Anyway, we are talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda, for those who didn't quite Or at least two things, two things he's involved in. Well, I mean, what else is there to talk about Miranda right now, except for Tick, Tick, Boom and Encanto? Yes, which are also both Oscar-nominated films as of this morning. Oh, here comes some fun facts. That's really more of a, a Quizlet. It's a what? Ugh, it's a know, Quizlet. I think, I think that's a copyright okay. infringement the right there. Time. <laughs> like a... it's, 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 it's a small quiz, so it's a Quizlet. I'm pretty oh, sure that Quizlet is that copyrighted, Patrick. I'm going to Google yeah. it right now. If you, if you Google it, I think we're probably going to get sued. Hey, that's okay, a then it's then it's then it's not not a Quizlet. 
It's yeah. a little quiz. It's a quizzy. So can either of you guess between them how many Oscar nominations did Tick Tick Boom and Encanto get? I can guess, actually. <laughs> I won't be correct, but I can would guess. You, would you like to guess? Oh, do you want me to guess? You just ask me if I yes, could. Yes, feel free. Yes. Um, but between the two of them, I'm going to say half a dozen. Mm, I'm going to go with ten. Uh, well, Alan was closer because it was five. Oh. Oh, but we were both over. Interesting. Yes, you were both over. Now, do you want to guess how many each film got? Ooh. Keeping in mind that the total should add up to five, so and not any that, other, and so not that, any other number, Alan. That may <laughs> that may not help Rich in this this endeavor. <laughs> yeah, that just means you I can, embarrass myself completely. You well, can go I mean, first, what you've Rich. got, you've got four and one. You've got three and two. You've got. Five and so zero. So, I, so, so. Five and zero. Yeah, you've got three options. I didn't get twelve. Then I assume. No, they got five total between. <laughs> oh my them. goodness! Ugh. I'm gonna go three, two, uh, tick, tick, Encanto. I, I'm so gonna three go... for tick, tick, and two for Encanto yeah. is what you're saying, Rich? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'll go two, three. I'll do a verse. Yeah. I so don't you're know. saying two? F- what are you saying? Two for tick, tick, boom, and three for Encanto, Alan? If Rich said the other way, that's what I'm saying. Yep. I yes. did say the other way. Okay. Alan is correct. Ooh. Oh, Rich, thank you. Of Disney. Yes. You're welcome. Yes, it's three and two, three for Encanto, and two for Tick, Tick, Boom. Now, here comes the tough question. Yeah. In what categories oh. was each film nominated? All right, Tick, Tick, Boom would be lead actor. categories. And would be correct. soundtrack. Incorrect. No, I think um, Disney, I mean, Disney, I think, is always going to get the soundtrack. Supporting actress? No. It better not be for direction. No. Okay. Screenplay? No. Hmm. Um, sound editing. Oh, sound design? So close. Editing sound? S- no Just closer. Editing? Wait, editing? You mean close because it has yeah. to do with the music? Best, best film editing. That's what it, yeah, it got. It, uh, Tick Tick Boom is best actor and best film editing. That second one surprises me. But everybody knew Garfield was getting the nod, right? Yeah. He's got some stiff competition, though. Oh, does he? Well, he's up against Denzel for Macbeth. He's Uh, up against mm. Will Smith for King Richard. He's Mm. up against Javier Bardem for uh, uh, the Ricky Ricardo. Oh, boy. Um, And I can't remember who the the last person he's up against is. But he's got a, yeah. Let's be honest. Um, Ricky Ricardo's not going to win. I don't but know. The, Oscars love people acting like they're other people. Yeah. No, I, I know like that. A, it's, it's kind of the definition of acting if you think about itself. it. Yeah. Mm. That Aren't is, almost, that's the kind of thing. It just seems to me like almost every like actor. Itself. But doesn't every yeah. actor act like somebody else except for maybe the cast well, of but Friends? Like, I mean, somebody, you know, that they're basically doing an impersonation, I mean. Oh, never mind. It was just a friend's joke. Mm. I just feel like that movie didn't so, get a lot of critical reception. It just feels like the others. It like, how, do you, how do you beat Denzel in Shakespeare? 
It, it seems like it, that that seems like that's he's probably the the front runner. Yeah, and then I think a, after him might be Will Smith and King Richard. That's who they were mainly talking yeah. about this morning. Yeah. So now we need I to mean, guess. You, nominated is kind of nice. The the, the three categories that Encanto is nominated for. Well, one's clearly uh, the music. Uh, soundtrack. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to be more specific than that. Musical soundtrack. Nope, still going to have to be more specific. Magical musical soundtrack? Musical soundtrack in an animated film? It's up for animated film. And something music. Or some things music. I don't know what that meant. It means there's more than one music award. Oh... Uh, musical editing? No. Music oh writing? I these guys. Uh, I thought you're. I thought you're gonna nail these. No. I don't know. This is embarrassing. Yeah. I it's no best idea. original song and best original score. The score and the score, songs are, are treated separately. I'm looking at. Yeah. I pretty much feel like soundtrack again. covers that. Yeah. Yeah. No, because you can buy the soundtrack that are the songs Lin Manuel Miranda wrote, or you can buy the soundtrack that is the score. They are both soundtracks did, that you can purchase. I would think they would the all score? be... They would no, he did be, not write the score. Oh. Wouldn't they just be mashed up together? Nope. That's no, weird to no, me. no. A lot, of, a lot of ones, they separate them out. Particularly shows that... Particularly if they have, like, a, a significant amount of, um, you know, instrumental music and then sung. Well, I've never, I've never bought... Sense. An album like that. I bet you have. But if I were to buy a music album like yeah, that, I'd want play, them like, mixed together. I know, like, I, just I, I like it was in the movie. Yeah. Because they try and play yeah, but then you're only getting half the money you could otherwise get. Well, no. I'm getting twice as much music that I would normally get. Yes. But the, the writers are By you, I meant, I, meant our, I meant our corporate overlords. Oh, so it's important that we know who you identify with. Yes, yes. Final question on the mini quiz. Quizzy. Which song from Encanto was nominated for Best Original Song? Well, it would seem like everybody's singing Bruno. Yes, but it's not Bruno. Is it the, uh, oh boy, do I even know the names of the songs? If you want to describe the song, I might. Is it Isabella's song? No. Okay, is it Luisa's song? Surface Pressure? No. no. All right, then I don't, I don't care then. It's... <laughs> It's it's Alma's song, uh, Dos Oraguitas, oh. the Spanish language song that's sung over like the flashback of her life at the end, or yeah. near the end. Ah, Alma. Yep. So that's that's the end of the. Uh... So yeah, no no uh, song nominations for Tick Tick Boom. Uh, no best film nomination for Tick Tick Boom, which seems to be surprising some people. It's a little surprising, I would say. Yeah, do you, do you want to guess how many nominations uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home got? I'm going to say two. Ah, uh, that would be too many. One? Yeah, yeah, it got nominated for visual effects, and that's uh, it. Dune got nominated for a bunch. You're kidding. Um, I no, guess I should no, have seen Dune it. actually got nominated. Dune, Dune got nominated for Best Hello, Picture. I'm back. Wow, Really? Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the ten nominees. Yeah, yeah, and then it was nominated in a lot of the technical categories. 
Wow. Huh. So, of course, it doesn't help that the the guy they had announcing the nominations when when got to to Denis Villeneuve, the director of Dune, basically said "Did a Doove" as his name this morning <laughs> the first time. Well, uh, that's yeah, that's excellent. And that was he tried it like two times, and he still he's like "Did a Doove, Did a I'm like, no, it's it's Denis Villeneuve or Villeneuve. He, uh, yeah, he butchered it. We seem to be losing Rich. He's gone. Yeah, he He's, says the internet died. I'll be back in a sec. And he came back and then was gone again. Yeah, yeah so I see. Shall we yeah. continue the show without him, I guess? I guess. I mean, I've got I've got more fun facts, but they're all about Encanto. So if you want to do uh, Tick, Tick, yeah. Boom. It feels like we can dismiss Tick, Tick, Boom as quickly as the Oscars did. Uh, well, I mean, it got, it got two nominations. I guess that's not bad. Which isn't, which isn't nothing. Um, so I, I mean, I would really like Andrew Garfield to win, but I just, I don't, uh, I really, I, I, he's in a tough category. No, it was a terrific performance. I agree with you. I'd like to see him win. It seems yeah, like a fairly it would long be a nice, shot. It would be a nice bow on kind of the, the renaissance of Andrew Garfield that we're enjoying right now. Right. No, that is true. And you know, if so. if it's a true renaissance, he'll have he'll have other opportunities, right? To yeah, one would hope. I mean, he's 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 a very good actor, as as Tick Tick Boom and Spider Man sort of of reminded me. Yes. Yes. Hey, Rich is back. Uh, I, yeah, I like how I like how Rich just second. chimes in with the yes, having been gone for that entire conversation. Well, no, I was listening. I was waiting <laughs> to, until you were done before I popped back in. Do you think he usually so just is on autopilot like that and just, you know, he's kind of like Ed McMahon on the couch? Hey, yeah, sounds good. Like periodically, <laughs> you are correct, sir. And then I mean, that's pretty much off. how I am on this show. Yes. Well, me too. Yep. <laughs> we all just autopilot off of each other. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, tick, tick, boob thoughts. Alan, so, would you like to. Yeah. What I found most fascinating about this movie and what I loved about this movie is you could it felt to me like you could watch Tick Tick Boom and see an artist drafting a show over iterations of shows and I don't know that I ever thought of like a musical composer in that kind of way but to me it felt as if you could hear Jonathan Larson drafting Rent as he was Mm. working his way through his first couple of shows which are which are, you know, seen and heard in different ways on screen. Yeah, I agree. That was one of the things that stood out to me in the in the the film as well and one of the things I really liked was, you know, the way that it's, you know, the film adaptation of his second musical, which is all about his first musical, but obviously you can see it leading into Rent, which was his third and final musical. You can kind of see it, the way in which um, you know, there's there's clearly elements, particularly of the second musical, um, you know, Tick Tick Boom itself, right? Feeding into Red, particularly the particularly the moment where, um, I can't remember if it was the agent or someone else kind of said, you know, write what you know. Um, and there were a couple scenes early on where he was kind of talking about his life, um, 
Oh, it was it was the uh, party where they were talking about being bohemians. I'm like, well, that's a song from um, Rent. There's a song about the the bohemian lifestyle. I don't remember the exact yep. title, and I was a little bit concerned that Bohem. Like, yeah. oh, is, yeah. is this entire film just going to be like references to Rent? And I was very glad that it wasn't, and that it did no. have kind of it, it, its own story. But I, I agree, it, yeah. it was very sort of meta in that way. Yeah, I thought you would like the meta-ness of it. And to me, yep. like, it's so clearly showing the trajectory to Rent. And I know it's way more easy to like put that together in retrospect. Like It's easier to know that Rent is the final work and then kind of see everything leading to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's always easier to construct these things working backward. But like the, it, was, it, it was thematic and it was content, but it was also you could see him working with musical motifs that he was going to polish and tweak and change as he kind of moved to rent. And I just, I'm fascinated. Nothing fascinates me more than, than thinking about or trying to understand how people create. And so I thought the movie was Mm -hmm. just like this fascinating kind of case study of creation that I, I thoroughly enjoyed in that way. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I thought it might get nominated for Best Picture because the Oscars also love movies about making movies or movies about artists or movies about creating. So I was a little bit surprised that it didn't right. at least get nominated because it seems like also, that that's a kind of film that Oscars like. It's also a movie in which Andrew Garfield is, what you said earlier, acting like somebody else. Oh, that's I true. Mean, yeah, yeah, that is. I, mean, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Perhaps Jonathan Larson isn't as well known, you know, as um, well. But also, you know, unlike unlike, I don't think Andrew. But Andrew Garfield didn't do anything to actually try to look like Jonathan Larson. Whereas Javier Javier Bardem, uh, got it. You know, very much. If you think about like that, or you think about um, Eddie Raid Red, Eddie Redmayne when he won for playing Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, there's something else going it's on that, there. It's it. Right. It's that that, yeah, it's playing somebody else. But Hollywood and Oscar really love physical transformation. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like like to win an Oscar, you need to take a really good looking, pretty person and turn them into something that's not. Yes. Generally speaking, yes. Which might be the one reason why Bardem won't win, because he's not really the the, you know, the Stephen Hawking transformation or or. anything like that right right so i have a second observation about the film unless you've got Mm. something you you want to jump to well no the only other thing speaking of transformation is is the whole time i was watching the film and the actor playing larson's girlfriend susan in it Mm -hmm. um i couldn't i was like for the life of me i'm like i know her from somewhere and i couldn't figure out what it was so i finally just had to look her up she was uh, Storm in uh, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. You know who oh. caught that was Vicky. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, it would yeah, have I, I... slipped right past me, but Vicky was like, I know her, and she figured it out. Yeah, no, I, I was like, I know her too, and I'm like, I, I looked her up, and I was like, oh, that's who it is. Yep. And then the yep. other thing too is that even though... um, Even though Vanessa Hudgens was in it pretty much from the get-go playing Caressa. I didn't realize she was in it until they got to the first um, rehearsal of the first musical 
when she sort of, her character sort of comes up and right. says something to him about the song he hasn't finished. I'm like, oh, that's Vanessa Hudge. I'm like, that's weird that they're just having her show up now in this film. And then as I was watching, like, oh, no, wait a minute. She's been Caressa the whole time. It's like, I did not recognize her at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which gets me to a Because she fair... had like the big, had the big 80s hair. Which gets me to a fair or foul I'd like to read for you. Oh. It comes from The Decider. Okay. And John Serba. The Decider is, but I don't, they sound I don't. very official. Well, I mean, how could you disagree? So here's what John Serba wrote. Quote, Garfield's on the cusp of manic energy is undeniable, but for my money, the MVP here is Ship, who's an easy naturalistic screen presence and acts as the movie's intensely necessary grounding presence. Hmm, I'd say that's fair. She was, yeah, she was really good in the role. I thought she was, yeah, absolutely terrific, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I thought it was a really good cast in general. Um... But yeah, yeah, no, ship was ship was excellent. But the casting, there was one bit of casting that I really had trouble working around. Was that and Bradley that Whitford is, as Stephen Sondheim? Yeah, the guy that played Dean Armitage is playing Stephen Sondheim, and I just, you know, like it, it just kept mashing up. Get out! He's Dean the Armitage. He's the uh, oh, the, gotcha. The, 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 the dad from Get Out. Lead, yeah, the dad in um, Get Out. And that he is Sondheim. I mean, number one, you know, Bradley Whitford, that's some pretty impressive range right there, I suppose, in some ways. But it was just weird. And I started thinking, there's a mashup in there somewhere for us to put together. You know, like Get Out the Musical. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's something you and I should do. <laughs> no. Who should do it then? No. <laughs> Specifically no, I because think we shouldn't do it. We should do it. Yeah. No. I don't. I, I think. It did. I will say Bradley Whitford as Stephen Sondheim because, I mean, Bradley Whitford is so recognizable as Bradley right. Whitford. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, he's playing Sondheim. I'm like, okay. Um, it's just, and, and I mean, I, I do love Bradley Whitford, but he does, you know, he, he's, he's, very recognizable, um, right? Yeah, and so I, I, it, it, that, that, for different reasons than you, it, it kind of took me out of it. I was like, oh, it's, it's Bradley Whitford doing what Bradley Whitford does, only this time he's Stephen Sondheim. Okay, right, right. No, for me, I just kept seeing Get Out. You know, I was waiting for him to do terrible things, and, mm. but anyway, or to, um, or to talk about how he would have voted for Obama a third time. Yes, well. Which is kind of terrible in the context of that movie, but yeah. Yeah. So, I there was one thing about this movie that really put me off. And mm. it was something that Bobby noted, too, as we were watching it. The show mm. was kind of about the ways in which... Um, it's a show really about the need to support new art, right? That we don't want, like, mm. the same stuff getting churned out all the time that we should be supporting new art that stars a big name in Andrew Garfield and is so chock full of Broadway star cameos mm -hmm. that after a while it drove me a little bit bonkers, including Lin-Manuel Miranda himself. And like, there's just, there's an element to that that just made it a little too smug for me. 
Hmm. Could we have like that's interesting one film where he doesn't have a cameo? You know, one film where we're not, oh, there's Lynn. I don't know. Like to me, the cameos lessen the experience as kind of all these Easter eggy things do for me. Yeah, see, I only noticed the cam. The only time I noticed the cameos was in the diner scene. I didn't notice well, them anywhere else in the film. That's what I'm thinking about is the the diner scene, which is just like, again, so stuffed full of Hollywood's you know or of Broadway stars. I don't know. Yeah. It just to me, it's it's the film or wanting to have its cake and eat it too. You know, it wants to be about art, and yet it can't help but do kind of an MCU Disney Marvel kind of thing anyway. Well, but at the same time, I mean, it's. I think it was meant not so much to reference film stars. It was mostly it was Broadway stars. Wait, but that's uh, the. But it's the same thing were, to me. That were cameos. It's, it's, yeah, it's just it's the know, same it's thing to me. You know. Well, no, yeah, right? I but know, it's, I, it's that, that, to I, me, it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, like we don't need it. We don't need the dressing. We don't need the Easter eggs. We don't need the cameos. I don't know. Let's make some art with new artists. That would be like that would be awesome. See, I thought more as particularly with 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 you know established actors like like Baby Newworth and whatnot. I thought I saw it more as kind of honoring um, the past of Broadway. Yeah, but it's that honoring that 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 limits our art so often. It just it felt no, no, it felt to me like I mean, I mean in, a, movie in a film to say that's all about the creation of art. I think it's, I think different. it's it's a nice thing. I think it's a nice thing to recognize kind of a, a history of the artist. I think part of it too is is Ugh. as I was watching the scene, I was like, oh, there's there's uh, you know Philippa Sue and the other actress from Hamilton. And I was like, oh, there's yeah. Lee Manuel Miranda. I'm like, I was like, how did they get all of them? Um, because it's possible that I did not realize until the end of the film that it was directed by Lin Manuel Miranda, and I was like, "Oh, well, that explains how he got." Oh, jeez, yeah, no, this was um, this was quite a passion project for Miranda, right? Like he actually, yeah. See, um, I, I knew I knew nothing about the film except that Andrew Garfield was in it. Yeah, he actually <laughs> revived to Kick Boom off Broadway for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is, and and Miranda in interviews has talked about the way in which seeing rent i think he was like 17 when he went to see rent kind of opened Mm -hmm. up the way that he you know understood storytelling on a stage and whatnot Mm. see i'm I'm starting to see the problem see it's almost as if you're way too immersed in the minutiae of lin-manuel miranda to watch a lin-manuel miranda film objectively that's interesting because I did all of this research after I watched the film and it put me off. But sure, besides that, your mm. theory holds a lot mm. of water. Yes, it does feel like that because I did not. I don't. I am not. You know, a wash in Lin Manuel. Yeah, no, I hear. Uh, I hear what you're knowledge. saying. You've you've not really yeah. done any research for this, which is which is you know a At fine all. admission to make on the podcast. Yeah, I, I just went to it. You know, well, I mean, you know, I don't want to get bogged down in all this extraneous stuff. I just want to see the no. art as art. Exactly. You, so, you, what you want to do is do see the art as like, guess how many Oscars this one got or that one got. Yeah, that that definitely tracks. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Definitely tracks. Yeah. Um, maybe we should move to Encanto because I feel like we're going to run out of time, and I think you've got a lot oh. prepared for Encanto. I have a lot for Encanto. In fact, you know what I have for Encanto? If you have a quiz, I have fun facts. No, no. Well, it's it, it's it's not There's so much a quiz. The it's, season it, is it, this it, letter it's, from them. 
It's more, of course, a, a fun facts. Um, so as of today, we don't talk about Bruno. Um, is the second, or sorry, is the first song from a Disney animated film to spend more than one week at number one on the Billboard chart. That's surprising. Frozen? I mean, even the what the other Bill- song from a Disney oh. animated film <laughs> topped the Billboard chart? They have to be <laughs> Let, Let It, it Go, go right? Let It Go peaked at number five. Wow! It's not Let It Go. How much that was being played? Uh, I it, know. That's what it, everyone assumes. It Let It Go. From, it's not uh, Let It Go. Is it something from Pocahontas? No. No, it's not from Pocahontas. Is, is it, it an from old that one era of Disney films? It oh, is yeah. from that. It is from that era. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, is it something from The Little Mermaid? No. It's not. So something um, from Disney. I want It's not Beauty. Top the charts. It's not Beauty and the Beast, is it? Like not from that film. No, it's not Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Um. Be your guest. That was the thing I was thinking about. Be our guest, but no, that's not it. No. Uh. uh is it the big Moana song? No. Hmm. No, because it's from the past. Era. That's the thing is I didn't know there'd be. Can you tell us what year? I cannot tell you what year because that would have required me looking that up. <laughs> hmm. Well, it I gotta is, say, I'm stumped. Yeah. It is a whole new world from Aladdin. Oh, really? That's a, I mean, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it I'm spent one at, week. It spent one week at number it's one. It's not a very good movie, and the song is pretty, yeah, interesting. Well, when it came out, though, it was a big deal. But I'm shocked that, with that being the one that made the top, that every film didn't have one that made the top then. Nope. Right. No. Right, exactly. Exactly. Especially There's frozen. no way that's any better than the others. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it applies to... Aladdin as much but I wonder if part of it is that with Encanto Disney's tapping into an audience that wouldn't necessarily have been tapped into as directly by something like Frozen maybe I mean I know Bruno has been the the, the Latino audience oh okay that, I know that, that you know. Let it go. You know, let it go. And and Frozen is is a as we talked about when we talked about Frozen too. Is it's a very white film. Um, you know, Encanto has of... I guess some kind of cro- has more might be having more crossover appeal because you know it's not just. Um, well, okay, you know, that's true, Patrick. This, this but... anthem, but. I don't, I don't, and I don't say this to insult you because I know that you're a big Casey Kasem, you know, Billboard top forty uh-huh. kind of guy. But hasn't I wasn't that, my day, yes. Hasn't that always been pretty white? Like, like it was hard to be too white to get to the top of the charts. Oh no, I'm thinking. I'm not talking. I'm no. I'm talking about. I'm not talking. I'm talking about Disney songs, not not the the charts itself. I'm talking about Disney is tapping into. Right. No, in other words, again, let, I hear that, it, let it but go is t- yeah. I hear that, but the, you said the top of the for more than a week, like that hypothetically. It, right, if Ice Ice Baby can, I I assume probably topped out at number one at some point. Like you couldn't imagine a whiter song, yeah. you know. And like there it is. I just I don't know. That's interesting. I guess yeah. Yeah. I I think historically, 
like Latino music has just been segregated out of that kind of consideration. So maybe that's the change yeah. as well. Maybe. I don't know. Because, well, it also might it might also express you know shifting demographics in that you know appealing to an all or a largely white audience. Whereas once upon a time that was plenty to get to the top of the charts. Now, yeah, it's 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 not. There there might be a multicultural thing. Like it's not that I'm not hearing your argument. I'm just not fully convinced by it. I don't know. It's a it's a puzzler, but you know yeah, I was more I wasn't so much arguing it as just throwing it out there. I have no actual proof for it. So well, you're hanging on to it pretty tightly. So hypothesis. you know, like it, it's it's a puzzler. Hmm. I've got more fun facts. Okay. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, you know I want to do that. Um. So. Miranda wrote eight original songs for the Encanto soundtrack. As of this recording, how many of them have charted within Billboard's Hot 100? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, three. Okay. Rich, would you like to guess? Is Rich gone? I don't know. It still shows his name there, but I'm not hearing him. Huh. Well, he's definitely on autopilot then. I'll guess for him. We're just going to guess two. Okay. Well, you're both wrong. Damn it. Because as of this week, all eight have charted. Wow. Lin-Manuel because Miranda the last doing one, well. The last, one, the last one that hadn't charted is literally number 100. Lin-Manuel Miranda has literally the number one and the number 100 song. Well, that can't have happened very often. I have no data on that. Well, I wasn't expecting that you would. Can can I read you a? Can I read you a fair or foul from RogerEbert.com that goes along this line? Oh no! Yeah, go ahead. I uh, fear what this is going to be. It's from Monica Castillo at RogerEbert.com. Oh, okay. That's right. Ebert's dead, so it's not actually Ebert. Right. Yes. Speaking of those musical sequences, I think it's time Lin-Manuel Miranda takes a break. After knocking it out of the park within the Heights, Hamilton, and Moana, his 2021 offerings have been a little lackluster. There's a sense that these musical numbers are the reheated leftovers from other projects. They sound like his work, but they don't offer anything new or exciting to get stuck in our heads. It goes on to describe disposable pop songs, that are cloyingly Ouch. repetitive. Hmm. So there's like, uh, you know, the exact opposite. Like all eight have charted and Monica Castillo, yeah. you know, is really quite disappointed in the threadbare songs that he's charting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because one, well, one of the things that really surprises me is We Don't Talk About Bruno is a very weird song Yes. To have be like the breakout song. Like it's not it's not the romantic ballad that Whole New World was. Right. It's not the, you know, the the anthem that let it go. It's it's basically yeah. a it's it's an exposition song. It's basically explaining Right. You know, why so it's it's the weirdest song that you would you would expect to be like I would have expected surface pressure 
Um, yeah. If I were Which to pick a song, I would expect songs. that to be. Yeah. Uh, it's a great song. It it it, it well, got to number eight on the chart, so it's not doing it's not yeah. doing bad either. It's a um, very Miranda esque song. Surface pressure is. Let me. I have actually I have another fair or foul that applies to what you're talking about. So Glenn Weldon was on NPR talking about Bruno and why it's so popular. And what mm-hmm. he said is as follows. You know, we don't have to overthink this. It's insanely catchy. It slaps in a way that a lot of Lin-Manuel Miranda's stuff does. It's an earworm. I do like Pure and simple. I do like slaps. Yeah. You see, I, as soon as he says slap, like I, I've lost him because now that, that – that, Old folks are saying it. Slaps is clearly cooked. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because he's basically making and calling it an, an earworm. He's basically saying the same thing as Castillo in terms of it being catchy and and yeah. whatnot. Um, but he know, then he goes just, on. He just doesn't seem to hold. Yeah. Yeah. He then goes on to say, but it's also about something, something very real, very recognizable. Because every family has that thing we all agree on not to gossip about until you get one of your aunts mm. alone. Mm. So what's your take on the music overall? Like we've um, heard diametrically opposed opinions. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it worked well within the movie. I'm surprised. Not, none of it really jumped out to me as like things that would stand so much on their own, just as as songs people would want to listen to. Except maybe surface pressure. Yeah. Um, that you know the film the the songs by and large seemed pretty embedded within the film. So I'm I'm a little bit surprised. Um that they've had the the success that they've had just as songs. Right. Um I agree. When But so I mean, you know, but I also I also like Lin Manuel Miranda's music generally. Uh right. you know, I I love yeah. Hamilton. I love Tick Tick Boom. Um and and you know, I like the songs in Encanto. So I you know, I'm I guess I'm 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 part of the problem, I guess Castillo would say. Uh, perhaps so. I you know, so I went to see it with Hope. And because I'm so over-researched, I knew that he had written the music mm-hmm. for this. And I got to say, initially, I was kind of underwhelmed. The music to me was a little hit or miss. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of in between, you know, every song on the charts and Castillo saying that, like, there's nothing here. Um, but the songs that were good, Surface Pressure, We Don't Talk About Bruno, I, I get it. Um, what else can I do? Like there's some there's some good songs in here, you know. Like I, Lin Manuel Miranda is a terrific writer, I think. But there are moments in Surface Pressure where you feel kind of the Hamilton break in it, if that makes sense, mm. you know. And so, like, you know, I I enjoyed it, but I agree with you. I didn't I didn't see it as music that was kind of hitting a home run. You know, he was hitting solid doubles. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, there was yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, like yeah, the songs were all good, but there was nothing in it that was like, oh, that's that's the next Let It Go or or what have you. Right, agreed. Um, so yeah, so I was I was um, yeah, I'm surprised. It's just I'm like, wow, it seems weird. And and then for it to be the we don't talk about Bruno song, I'm like, that's just a weird song. Yeah, yeah. to have be I like the again. breakout hit. 
but it so captures so much of the film, I guess. Yeah, I, it yeah. does, but that, using that's the not usually the kind... Yeah, that's not usually the kind of song... You know, usually it's the ballad or the anthem or something that, that, that stands out. Well, how yeah, much of this is... Like the first song, Welcome to the Magicals, would have been the one that would have been, like, the kind yeah. of big number. Man, I thought that was a dreadful song. I just... I, okay, so I, I thought it was me, too, that like, it, didn't, it didn't land. Like, especially the first time I heard it, it just felt... Like yeah. muddled, like she almost like it just was so quick, and I thought I just wasn't able to keep up with it, like mentally. Oh no, it was hard. Yeah, it was one well, that I was like, "Wow, this song is explaining a lot," which is why I was glad. Like, oh good, they're doing it a second time. <laughs> I yeah, can actually yeah, catch. Yeah, they did. <laughs> there was well, a lot. Like that is a lot of information. It's it's very much like you know Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet esque in that way. You know, like where you do a really long opening number, because I mean this movie had. So many characters packed into it that you kind of needed like a family tree, which you literally got, yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. Like that's kind of what you know the the prologue to Natasha does as well. So not original, but you know, I just it, it as a song, it didn't really capture me. Like it took a while for the yeah. the music to to really kick in. I thought. Yeah. Well, and again, that's a song that's doing a lot of more exposition work than really being a song, you know, a, yeah. a standalone. Again, it's, it's fairly, yeah. I mean, again, it's, that's, that song even, even more than, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. Like that song is a, an, an information dump at a, at a yeah. very fast speed. I mean, yeah. Kids, but if I'm, kids, if I'm on ability, Spotify, you already know this. if I'm on Spotify and I'm listening to something from Natasha, it's almost, you know, more often than anything else, it's going to be the prologue. So, like, you can write that song in a way that it is more than just an information dump. But anyway, I, I, I wondered with Bruno, too, how much of this is like the TikTokification of America as well. Because it I think in some ways, like, Bruno really put down roots in TikTok that, that, mm. be, that allowed oh, it yeah. to kind of, like, Absolutely. achieve yes. the heights that it has. And I think... So to me, it's it's a really interesting kind of thing. Like I think we can think about demographics, but we might think about technology too, and the yeah, way yeah, in no, which yeah, I think you're right about TikTok, TikTok was a springboard well, just social for media Bruno. in general. But yeah, especially right. that's the song that you know before I even watched the movie. That was the one song that I already like kind of heard before right. even watching it because yeah, it was all over TikTok. Exactly, exactly. I just I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I find it really interesting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's a neat song. It's not a like, uh, yeah, uh, agreed. Bruno, it's not a bad, mm. but like, yeah, again, especially when you you realize like the charted hit, and then you see like Frozen and get it. It is fascinating that that's the song that yeah. basically beat Let It Go from Frozen in a sense. Yeah, well, yeah. it beat it beat everything. It's the first yeah, Disney song to do it, multiple it beat, weeks yeah. at number one. So, yeah, yeah, Which even Aladdin. You know, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> even Aladdin. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So I have a question. So were you? Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Patrick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was just gonna so, say, do you, uh, were you? Oh, go ahead. No, you please. This is really hard at a distance. Go ahead. No, you I go mean ahead. It this time. No, you go. No, this is quality. This is quality <laughs> podcasting. You go ahead. I really must. I was just gonna. I, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say I I found it interesting and because uh, I'm assuming you know the actor that that did the voice of Mirabelle yes is the actor that plays Rosa on Brooklyn 99 yes which is 
I guess shows considerable range, not just in terms of yes. characterization, but age as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard her talk in her normal voice, and her normal voice sounds much more like Mirabelle than it does Rosa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just someone, but I was like, but, you know, her playing someone so much younger. Um, that was all. That's all. That, that's what, it, that was all my right. thing. Yo, she seemed to carry it, you know? Like, I, I, it, oh, yeah. I you well, know, I, it didn't. And that's the thing. I, I knew she was involved in it, and I looked up afterwards. I was like, oh, she was Mirabelle. Like, if you, I, if you yeah. had asked me who she played in the in the film, I was like, well, I guess maybe Louisa was the character mm. she played. Yeah. Um, but then I looked up, I was like, oh, no, she's Mirabelle. Yeah. That would not yeah. have been my guess. Well, I just so, yeah, age-wise. She's, she's got an impressive range. Yeah, you would have guessed a parent. Yeah, yeah. So here's my question for you, Patrick. Yes. Here we have another movie and another Disney Mm -hmm. movie about people of Mm -hmm. color Mm -hmm. kind of grounded in a magical realism that removes Mm -hmm. them from the real world. You, of course, are a resident magical realism expert. Uh Yeah. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Like, is it a problem, yeah, I, or I, are we just too concerned uh, about like overthinking it? No, no, I, that that's a lot of my thoughts about Encanto. Is, um, you know, on the one hand, you know, particularly the fact that it is set in Colombia, uh, which of course is where you know the where Gabriel is where Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, the great Latin American magical realist is from, you know, I can see sort of why they, they, um, went in the direction they did. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of two thoughts on the yeah. magical realism in the film. Cause on the one hand you can look at, or I look at the magical realism in terms of, the vibrancy and the color of their, you know, their hidden little valley. Yeah. Um, and the way in which there's almost, you know, kind of the way in which the Colombian or, or if you want to say Latinx culture that, that it is presenting is, is presented with a very sort of, of a, a vibrancy that borders on magical, magical realism. Um, that sort of makes it stand out and, and have a kind of power to it. Um, but then there's the other side of it, which is exactly what you said, um, which is the way in which that they are, you know, again, as you, as you kind of alluded to, like there's this very vague sense of violence, um, political violence or, or some kind of violence that, that sort of drives, Alma and the rest of the inhabitants of the valley into it. Right. Um, and, you know, so sort of there's, there's this, this sort of vague sort of faint towards dealing with sort of that kind of violence. Um, but ultimately what the film does is, is completely remove its characters from any sort of interaction with that. And, and, as much as, you know, something like Gabriel Garcia Marquez's uh, 100 Years in Solitude in its sort of fictional country of Macondo is a, a fictional, magically real country, it's still a country that is very much connected to, even if just allegorically, what's going on in Colombia politically at the time. Encanto right. is, is sort of 
divorcing itself from it. And so, so in a, um, would it be fair to say, the, particularly near the end where you know the valley splits open when the magic is broken? I was like, oh geez, they've been cut off from the world the whole time. Like, well, that's that's not great. It it reminds me in some ways of your critique then of In the Heights which mm. built this like very colorful and vibrant community. But as I recall, one of your complaints was it was a community that kind of existed in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, do, it does. I mean, again, it's, it's, yeah, it's doing a very easy kind of magical realism, a, a magical realism that is completely separate from the real um right which right. is which is probably about all just probably about as much as we can expect from Disney I guess well I think um, I think that's fair too obviously but yeah it, it, I mean again that was those were sort of my immediate thoughts yeah. um on the film was was and, and just kind of of even separate from the 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 magical realism was just the way in which you know, we're looking at and we're celebrating a Colombian or Latinx community that is completely isolated from, you know, the real world around it. Right. Um, right. Again, sort of of posits an idea of Latinx communities as as something wholly separate, um, something anachronistic. I mean, it's it's a very sort of pre modern right. existence that they have as well. That they're they're Absolutely. they're separate both in space and time. Um, which again Space is something that time. you've seen in 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 Latin X and um, native depiction of Native American communities as well that they're right. always depicted as sort of anachronistically. Um, so yeah, so there there are a lot of ways in which that I found what this film does in terms of representing the community that it does problematic. Yeah, so let me make an argument to try to salvage the film in that way that I think you will can use against me. But I'm, I'm curious what you think. Mm-hmm. That this, this, is a, this is a family movie on at least two levels, right? It's made for families, yes. but it's about families. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really liked about this movie was the latter, that it was about families, that, that it's a movie that mm-hmm. really thinks about the ways in which we rely on each other, but it's mm-hmm. also a movie um, that thinks about the ways in which we miss seeing people for who they are because we think we mm-hmm. know them so well that like um, mm-hmm. all of us are flawed, struggling human beings surrounded by flawed, mm-hmm. struggling human beings. And is mm-hmm. there a kind of like a, a, a universal anchor here that helps to connect this magical village back to the real world of the people watching the movie who are watching it and seeing in a Colombian family their own family. Mm. See, I think I, I, I can, I can see where you're getting that from. I think I would see it a little bit differently. I thought um, you would. So I, I'm curious. Yeah. Just in terms of like, you know, I think what the film does with that idea of family and the idea of sort of intergenerational trauma, which is sort of, of what the, the film's been seen as, as talking about. Sure. I think what it does with that and, 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 um, you know, what it does with that, I think the film does very effectively. I see that as on a thematic level as wholly separate from 
um, what it's doing in terms of magical realism and its its representation of of Latinx communities um, I, to but the, I, the political real. I think it can do that. I think it can do both potentially. I guess, or I guess I'm, I'm yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is that I, I'm, if it can do both. Well, I think it's doing both. I think one of them it does well at, the other one it doesn't do well at. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure which one it does well at, actually. I, well, I think what you were saying about family and intergenerational trauma, I, for me, the yeah. film, I think, by and large, works on that level. I didn't, okay. you know, in terms of, yeah. of, you know, Alma not listening to Mirabelle, but also Mirabelle not listening to Alma. Right. Um you know, and sort of the way that they, I, I thought all of that, you know, what the film was saying about family and trauma and the way in which trauma is passed on through generations. And then what you were saying as well about kind of more generally the way in which that, that, you know, expectations are sort of put on other people. I, I thought all of that worked perfectly. I thought that all worked fine in the film. Um, okay. And seemed to me to be kind of the main thrust of the film. Um the other stuff that we've been discussing about, you know, the political violence and how that leads to, or just the violence that leads to the creation of this community and the way in which that this community is sort of rendered both in space and time. Um, that I think is, is stuff that the film is not, even though it's using it, I don't think the film is thinking about it as much as it's thinking about, um, the the more themes that are built within the family. Got it. Which brings me to my final fair or foul, if you don't mind me running it by you, because it just feels like it fits here. Yeah. Um, this is from the New York Times, uh, Maya Phillips. Um, There's a robust engagement with and respect for Latino culture in all of its dimensions in this film. The Madrigal family members' skin tones range from lighter to darker, their hair textures from straight to kinky curly, and the grand poobah of the contemporary musical movie score, Lin-Manuel Miranda, provides a spellbinding soundtrack of songs combining salsa, bacata, and hip-hop played with traditional folk instruments from Colombia. Oh, is that the end? That's it. Oh, oh I mean... Oh. Yeah, I guess maybe I, I guess I'm curious if, if if you find it to be a robust engagement. Maybe I should have emphasized the start. Well, how did she when she says she says a robust engagement with what again? Um, robust engagement with and respect for Latino culture in all its dimensions. That's that's the claim I'm interested in you reacting to. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I would say. It's fair in the sense that it's dealing with a Latino culture and community largely isolated unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, I think it's kind of the same point. I, I would agree with that in the sense that what the film is doing within the community it imagines um, is done well and is effective. Right what the film does in terms to get us to or to create that community or the way it sort of imagines that community within a larger world or fails to do so is where it becomes problematic. Fair enough. 
And so, so for me, again, yeah, it, 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 it's again, yeah, it, in terms of what it wants to do within the village, I think it's by and large effective. Um, though there is kind of a weird, you know, hierarchy within the village. Um, for sure. Like with the family and the other village. Yeah. With the family kind of being, and, and the village being very dependent on the madrigals and, and, you know, everything's hunky dory until things start to go wrong and then and then Alma is kind of closing the door on the community. I'm like, oh there's a there's kind of a weird quasi hierarchy or, or aristocracy kind of of Yeah. And so and so some clashes class issues that, that maybe kind of rear their head at least for a moment, but then we get the Disney happy happy ending. Yeah, uh, we don't like to deal with class issues in this country. Yeah. So, but yeah, and and so yeah. So that's the thing. I, I I agree that that, you know, what it's doing within the community, it can be effective at even as what it does to create that community becomes problematic. Right. It's complicated. And is and 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 is as you said, kind of a, you know, it invokes the kind of violence that leads to the creation of this community. Um, but not to really do or say anything about that violence or provide Indeed. any kind yeah. of like, you know, solution or reaction to that violence. The, the violence is a device. Um, right. But yeah, it it is it it yeah. So that I mean, because that was, yeah, I mean, you know, me. I'm watching this film. I'm like, and and again, you know, maybe this is a step towards something better. You know, in terms of, right. but it also does it does continue to perpetuate that idea too that the uber genre of Latin American art is magical realism. You know, and that, that that sort of. Uh, uh, that's what that's what Latin American or Latinx art is, and and so it unfortunately kind of perpetuates. There's ways in which that it probably perpetuates that as well. Yeah, and to spin it in a different direction that you didn't intend, but I think you know is worth at least mentioning that you know American filmmakers continue to kind of imagine that violence creates magic, which mm. you know is just yeah. I think problematic in in kind yeah. of the telling ourselves the the fairy tales we want to believe about who we are and our history. Yeah. Well, and and, and that and that's another way to kind of look at it is is, you know, in terms of the setup of the film, it at least gestures towards a grounding in some kind of real-world violence, but then we very quickly shift into the fairy tale realm. Right. Right. Um, because of course in and, America And that's where we are. That violence always that's where creates. we are for the bulk of the film, yeah. Yeah, beauty and magic, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and also the idea, well, and, and sort of a, a corollary to what you said, you know, the idea of magic or fairy tale being the quote-unquote solution to violence is a, a fairly politically vacant um, answer. I, I would drop of, the... Of, you know... Yeah, but I would drop the fairly... Right. It's it's politically yeah. vacant, like fairy tales don't yeah. actually address, you know, the sins of violence in our past. Yeah. So. But if you're going to have eight chung, eight songs chart, right, you can't you can't very well. 
yeah. focused on should, the should violence. Should we say some good things about good. the film? I feel like we've we've been kind of hard on on the film. Sure. What do you have good to say? I mean, we're at an hour, just so you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I just well, well I mean, let's keep I, talking anyway. Yeah, we can keep going. <laughs> um, I did like the. Well, I, I will say we mentioned sort of. I, I did like that. Apparently, the vast majority of actors in the film, um, this is their first U.S. exposure. Um, that, that's pretty you know, cool. They're, they're, they. They used a lot, of, you know, besides, uh, uh, you know, Beatrice that plays uh, Mirabelle, John Leguizamo that plays Bruno, um, you know, by and large, the the actors portraying the other main characters are not well known in the States or known at all. So right. I, it was nice to see that they, they used um, um, some new voices, uh, brought some new people and, and, and got them some, some wider attention. So I liked that. Absolutely. Um, I, I, that, that is to be admired and praised. You know, I liked the focus on a largely predominantly female and matriarchal family. Um, the way in which that the, you know, the female characters in particular, largely eschewed kind of the the typical disney princess um prototype yeah. Yeah, and just part of works pretty hard at that part nowadays. of isabella's part of isabella's storyline is sort of rejecting that so i thought i thought those were some good things the film did yeah i think that's i think that's fair i mean the way in which the 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 family treats bruno is probably somewhat problematic like within that yeah, context, that whole, but but yeah, yeah, I, whole, yeah, I agree. I thought Isabella yeah. was great well, I mean, in that way that she was, yeah. yeah, like you were supposed to see her as the princess from the beginning, and like mm-hmm. that's the lesson, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah well, then the, the other thing about point. yeah, the other thing about Bruno that doesn't really mean this is probably the one plot hole that's in the film. Oh, Bruno, yeah. Is, you know, Bruno is supposed to have been hiding, you know, behind the walls. Nobody knows that he's there. Right. But if Dolores hears everything, and if she's been hearing the rat soap opera the whole time, then she's heard Bruno and knows yeah. Bruno is back there yeah. and just never told anyone. Well, but also, like, the whole thing was that one day Bruno disappeared. But they know they live in a uh, location surrounded by mountains, so he can't actually go anywhere. Yeah. So, like, if he actually disappeared, like, it seems like the family's like, oh, he disappeared one day, and we just didn't really look for him. Well, but that's the thing, right? The family... That's one of the ways why the the family's treatment of Bruno is pretty awful. The family doesn't want to look for Bruno, right? Like, Bruno is supposed to leave because Bruno is, you know, this guy who brings doom and destruction. And so, in a way, maybe, you know, she would hear him and just never talk about it or ignore that. Maybe maybe when, you know, he he leaves, but like Rich says, there's nowhere to go. Like, the point isn't... Like, they're not really concerned about it they seem to have just gone on with their lives they're for, just for as how happy the family treats bruno for yeah. the ending to be that like oh you know he's like saying like oh i just made you should what w- uh, get an umbrella or whatever it's gonna rain like that's it that's uh, just misunderstanding just a minor right uh, yeah misunderstanding in which you that's, know you that's never led this guy to like the son yeah, yeah. Yeah, li- to, yeah to live with rats and whatever, live yeah. with rats in the wall of a house. Yeah, like like yeah. Well, right. it's, it's also yeah. problematic in that you know what redeems Bruno is the fact that even though he's behind the wall, you know he's still wanted to be a part of the family, 
Um, and, and which is almost like it's almost like Bruno has to like Bruno has something to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, it's the overproving he, thing know, it, for it, sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that he's having to prove more, and and you know, he's basically exiled because the family doesn't appreciate him being around, but he's the one that seems to have to demonstrate, you know, his it's, dedication to the family because supposedly he he's the problem. Is it the yeah. problem? Is him? He's not exactly. The problem. Yeah, because yeah. he's not the yeah. problem. And it's coming I mean, everything you said, you know, he brings doom. He doesn't bring doom. The doom is coming. He's just seen it. Right. Yeah. No, but the family sees him as wow. the person who brings Damn. doom. Yeah, it's 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 really completely unfair. But luckily, Bruno is a very forgiving and uh, yeah. easygoing fellow. Or he realizes that he has nowhere else to go and he might as well come back. Like, I can't actually go anywhere else. The wall, the, the, the mountain he is seemed, still there. He seems pretty happy with the rats, though. You know, like, I guess yeah. he could. See, this yeah. is why I Stay. do want Encanto 2, but I want it to be, like, Encanto 2 coming to America or, <laughs> um, you know, like, them having to go out into into the real world. I'm sure because they don't have any I'm magic, sure Disney, I think, at this point. Right? I'm yeah, sure Disney will do really well with that. I'm sure that's what Disney is planning, too. Like, but that's what, really what yeah. they would like to do. Yeah. What if we drop these people just, you know, in South Central? It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like uh, Star Trek IV Voyage Home when they travel back to the 80s. You know, I don't think I've actually yes. seen that one, so. Really? Oh, really? I gave it's up on Star Trek to, a long time the, ago. It's uh, the one with the whales. Yeah. I don't remember people saying good things about that one. Oh, no, that is univ- – next to Wrath of Khan, that is the one that everyone says is the best Star Trek film of the original. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Well, yeah, I, I never guess. understood it because it is the stupidest film. But I think it's just the idea of Spock and everyone, you know, being in – what were they? San Francisco? Yeah, I think they're in San Francisco so in, like, just the, the, 80s. the novelty of that, of the Star Trek, you know, yeah. crew being in San Francisco. Yeah, the Trekkies really love the big, you know – outrageously wow. allegorical lessons that I guess whales might teach <laughs> us, right? So, yeah. like, there is kind of a tension there, maybe, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, are there any theories on why Mirabelle doesn't have a gift or never gets a gift or a door? Or, like, any idea? Uh, any? I'm sure there are. I didn't actually look Oh, but I, I meant, did you, you have don't any? Know. Like, I do Because the film never gives me... I, I well, but see it, any point in the film it's see. I thought it I thought that one. the I thought that you know, and I'm probably reading too much into it. Like her gift is like the humanity to bring people back together. Like that that's literally her gift to the yeah, family. It's weird but because like, she it's a, actually it's does stretch. at one point see the house cracking ahead of when the house actually cracks. I, I thought what the movie was going to do at that point was show that oh she has the same ability as Bruno. And that's, that, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking is that she's got the same ability. Because, I mean, that that's the one thing we see her doing in that when they're at, I think it's when they're at, di- at the dinner and she sees everything cracking and falling apart. But that's not what's yeah. actually happening. She's having a vision yeah. very you, you similar guys, to the kind Bruno has. You two but that's are, about as close as we get to. You two are probably right, but I really prefer my reading of it. Oh, I don't. Yeah, the, I don't like her power, I actually think, yeah. Alan, I think. It's no, I think Alan, human. your reading is yeah. yeah. I think your reading is actually closer to what the creators intended. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I film. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more annoyed that the film itself never like says that's like because it seems like she because even if that's the case, then why didn't she get the power to like be uh, empath or something like you know like 
you right, feel yeah. people's emotions or something. Like she, you could yeah, no. give them like what the what the kid who gets like talks to animals or whatever. Like give mm-hmm. her just some random power. So you you uh, <laughs> you wanted like laser beams to shoot out of her eyes at some point then. Well, but like it's 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 it seems weird that there was a like again it shows the door being there, she touching the handle and it disappearing, which very much looks like the house is just rejecting it, like a note that says right. you know you don't need yeah. a power or something would have might been better than just outright yeah. rejection from the house. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if the end of the film when she puts the new doorknob on the house, which I think the new doorknob has an M on it. It does. Um. So does that mean the whole house is her door, and or that she, now she's getting her gift, or is she whatever like it is, replacing Abuela, like she's the new in charge of the family now? Which yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah. Again, there's weird things with like Bruno, where like, oh, okay, this is gonna be a forgiveness thing, where Bruno has to come back and like forgive, mm-hmm. but like nobody ever does anything. Yeah. Bruno is very much the middle child, and yeah. so I identified with Bruno. Oh no, here we the middle child, and here we go. Oh, no. oh, you know what? Like if you think Thank about you. Bruno as the middle child in the Rat Soap Opera, uh-huh. that's kind of like mm-hmm. taking your stuffed animals and setting them up on stairs and pretending like you're watching a movie. Mm, possible. Oh my, Except I did that oh my with God, my you are... It's more like it's. Oh, it's more oh, like you, now. Yeah. Locking myself away in my house and and playing with my Legos, or like a tower. Ah, you just have like a really big wall to live in now. Yeah. Yeah. Or or you know Leia is the equivalent of the rats, I guess. <laughs> or wasn't there like that I don't plastic? Know. Leia would appreciate that. Wasn't there that like plastic pen that they used to put you in when you were a kid? <laughs> you mean my my play pen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Just, just my play Yeah. Pen. Yeah, no, my parents my parents used to put me in my playpen because I would just entertain myself and they would go deal with my sisters. <laughs> yeah. So like and, and that's kind of like Bruno in a way maybe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like I said I'm very much like Bruno. Yeah. Unappreciated. Well, I don't think that's true. Plight, in the walls. The plight of the middle child. Um, you know, everyone everyone's or... expectations being imposed on me unfairly. Yeah, no, it's Oh, let me play the world's tiniest violin. We don't oh, man, talk we about that one at Patrick, all. ick, ick, ick. Oh, except that's <laughs> all that we do, 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 do. <laughs> Literally, oh, after we finish five minutes on your childhood, it's like, <laughs> nobody talks about me. Yeah. Oh, just, gee, I, I got a whole five minutes. I a, guess I'll just have to, you know, enjoy that little sliver of time I was given. <laughs> and... Well, what about the time you wrote the introduction to the play? Yeah, nobody even asked for that. That's right, and but that you got wasn't a lot about of me. you got uh, it was that all about, about you. Oh, it was one hundred percent about you. About oh my no, god! It was not. No, you're you're totally oh. wrong. If there was ever a biography written of you, that would be chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 